Hey, welcome to Commission Impossible. We are back after a nice long delay, and this is the show where I get the name right about 30% of the time, and I did it on that first try. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Oh, good, good. I've, I spent the entire day boiling maple syrup. We uh, tapped our maple tree out there. I got about 10 gallons on boiling down. So uh, we'll see how this turns out. It's the first time I've done it on my own. That is that, is that Minnesota life that I know nothing about. <laughs> uh, that, that's not something you guys do in Kentucky very often? No, we don't do that, really. We we go to the grocery to buy, the, to buy our maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> you dr- you spend all that time and energy driving out to the grocery store buying a two dollar bottle of maple syrup. Ah, oh, when you can just make it yourself, man. <laughs> you can spend days on end making it yourself to get that same amount of maple syrup. <laughs> it's the experience, right? <laughs> yep, I think that's what it is. It's an experience that I'm, you know, I'm I'm giving to my son. Except I'm doing it when he's not here, so that's not even a good excuse. <laughs> oh, so let's get into it tonight. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of our leagues, uh, and I know everybody says, "Who cares about your fantasy league?" I actually care about people's fantasy leagues, and I learn from hearing about other people's fantasy leagues. I think a lot of really good commissioners do that. They listen. They they learn what other people are doing in their fantasy leagues and think hey, maybe I can apply this to my fantasy league. So we're going to talk about a couple of ours tonight. And uh, we'll start with the origins of them and, and kind of build out from there and see see if there's anything you guys can take from our leagues and put in your leagues because that's always fun. So let, let's start with Kitchen Sink. Kitchen Sink is it's a trademark league in the industry. People, Everybody knows what it is in the industry, and it's, it's highly, highly regarded. Uh, how did you uh, how did you come to start that league, Ryan? How where where did that come from? Well, I guess at, at this point, and it was around this time of year, probably oh, I guess it was five years ago. Um, I was actually having a conversation on Twitter with uh, our buddy Russell Clay, and we were talking about some different league formats and and different kind of kind of unique rules that we enjoyed in our dynasty leagues, and we just were having this this back and forth and it it hit me all at once. What if we had, what if I I had one league where we tried to put all of this into play? So that's really where the idea grew from. Basically what I did is took a lot of, a lot of rules, a lot of settings from leagues that I had played in or, or even leagues that I had just kind of observed, like you mentioned, and basically tried to jam them all into one league. That's where the name Kitchen Sink comes from. I, I do get a little bit of grief from our IDP friends because Kitchen Sink <laughs> is not IDP. So it's it's not everything in the Kitchen Sink, including the Kitchen Sink. It's everything except IDP. But uh, but anyway, so so Russell and I just kind of continued this, this discussion and I, I started building this league. And within two or three days, I was filling, filling up the league and like I said, I took pieces and aspects from some of the other leagues that I had played in, some of the other leagues that I had started myself, and threw all these things together. So Kitchen Sink is, it's an auction league. We have up to five auctions every year. What are those five? Uh, let's see. We have the second chance auction, which is uh, another one of the rules that I took from a league that I commission. I think we've talked about the second chance rule mm-hmm. on here. But we have the second chance auction. We have the rookie auction the Devi auction and kitchen sink is also a contract league. So we have uh, a restricted free agent auction and a um, unrestricted free agency auction. So those are the five. Sometimes you may not have the second chance depending on how much turnover we have in the league. And along with uh, just people, you know, opting for that second chance or keeping their team, but we have at least four every off season and, and usually five. But it's also, as far as the rosters go, large rosters with flexible lineups. It's a super flex league. It's tight end premium. Uh, we do have a taxi squad. It's a Devi league, of course. Obviously, with anything you and I, you or I, are, are <laughs> going to be involved in, it's probably going to be Devi. I think I mentioned it was a contract league. We also use victory points to help decide our playoffs. And we have kind of a, a unique playoff format. Uh, that that we stole from some of the Rotoviz guys. 
Yeah, so all of that packed into one. One thing I really like about the league is that there, there's a lot of ways to win. Because it is super flex, a lot of people like to build around the quarterback position and, and get three or four or five starters on their roster to try to dominate that way. It's tight end premium, so some of those tight, top tight ends gain some value. It's Devi. A lot of people want to build around youth which I'm, I'm not sure that's always the best strategy <laughs> in a contract league. Um, oh, yeah. So, but those contracts do help the value of the running backs, I think. So really every position gets a little bit of a boost, I guess other than the wide receivers, but they don't need a boost. Everybody loves wide receivers. And Kitchen Sink plays all double headers, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's the other, the other piece. It's double headers every week and victory points. So by the time you get to the playoffs – you know, nobody's sneaking into the playoffs. No, the, no. the teams that make the playoffs have earned it through, you know, through either wins or high scores on a weekly basis. Yeah, and but, you can set up victory points to, to really, really get the best of the best. Yeah, I, I hope that's what we've done. I mean, I don't mind leagues where uh, – Teams can sneak into the playoffs and, and kind of have that that magical run. You know, right. that that's fun sometimes. But in the end, a league like this, I, I want to get the best teams each year into the playoffs. So, yep. But all of those different things came from Steve Wyrimski's Backyard Brawl League. That was one of my very first dynasty leagues. It's a Devi league. I, I took that. Uh, Jarrett Behar runs the, the label leagues, green label, blue label, and gold label. That was I took a lot of these rules from those leagues, especially regarding the contracts and, and some things like that. I had already started at this point the Second Chance Dynasty League and then also had started an auction league called Dirty Dozen, which, uh, as far as I know, was the first one to use a rookie auction with scaled or tiered money assigned to each pick. I do want to jump in there and say that the scaled rookie table that Ryan made is is excellent, and you can find that on his kitchen sink bylaws. If you're looking to do uh, a rookie auction in year two and beyond, I also have one that uh, it's it's an Excel file that you basically have a top and a bottom, and if you put in the the teams and the amount of points they scored the year before, it'll give you a nice uh, table as well. Uh, or you can take either one and modify it however you want. I'm sure if you ask me or Ryan or, on Twitter, we could probably direct you to one of those two. Uh, I highly, I, that's, I mean, it's it's great. I highly encourage <laughs> rookie auctions every year and, and using those scales because they're they're really good. Um, I do, did, unless you were going to jump off somewhere, I was going to ask you about the starting lineup and talk about the starting lineup because you were the first one I ever saw do this and I'm starting to lean that way myself, is starting one of each position and having all the rest be flex. I have been doing one one two one one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, and one tight end because wide receivers are just so much deeper that I felt forcing people to start two would be better. But now that I have kind of evened out the scoring in a lot of my leagues, balanced them, I think it's, it's okay to, well, at least I, I think we're getting to a point where just forcing one starter and all flex is, is kind of the wave of the future. It's kind of the way to go, in my opinion. Um, what, what made you start doing that? Yeah, I, I like that format a lot. I don't, I haven't mastered that, um, that balance scoring like you have. I know you, you tinker every year and you, you've got it down. I should just steal your, your scoring system. <laughs> but um, when I started the hyperactive leagues about 10 or 11 years ago, one thing that I wanted to implement was, was just the most flexible lineups that that I could get, and and this was back, you know, in the um, oh I don't know I guess around two thousand five or six maybe that's when, I think that's when those leagues started, but it was still all about the running back. So people were taking and building their teams around four or five or six running backs, and I went the opposite way with the hyperactive leagues. I started. Uh, it was that same lineup you're talking about. It was one, one, two, and, and tight end, and then some flex. So you only had to start one running back, and that was kind of unheard of at, at that time. I think uh, I didn't I didn't see it very much, but I, I just thought it allowed people to 
build their team however they wanted. If they wanted to build around that running back position, uh, of course, they could start four every week. If they wanted to focus on the wide receiver, they could start five every week. So when I moved to the kitchen sink leagues, it, it just made sense to drop that wide receiver down to one, do the bare minimum of each position, and then uh, and then the rest would be flex spots. Nice, nice. And, and you definitely – uh, I think in those leagues you start, is it nine starters in those leagues, if I'm thinking correctly? In the kitchen sink leagues? Yeah. And we have 10. ten. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I find that, and, and this is just a rule of thumb, and obviously you can design your league however you want, but the longstanding rule in redraft, and so Ryan, since your first league was Dynasty and you play almost exclusively Dynasty, I think, uh, you, pro- you may not remember this, but the, the standing rule has always been uh, roster limit is double the starting lineup. So if you start 10, you're ro- you uh, have a bench of 10. And in Dynasty, I always felt the best formula was right about triple. So you start 10, you have 30, um, right in that range. I know that for you, you have – this is 27 plus a taxi of five, so you're at 32, right? Yeah, uh, we we actually upped that last off season. So okay. uh, we bumped things up a little bit. I probably need to update my rules document. It sounds like. But, um, <laughs> oh, trust at- me. That's, that's, <laughs> I have one league. I don't think I've updated the rules document in five years. I, I probably should get on that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually at 30 active and then an eight man taxi squad. So the, oh, tax, wow. the so taxi is either Debbie. Deep. Yeah. Debbie players or, uh, or rookies can go on the taxi <laughs> squad. But yeah, once you get thirty-eight players on on the team, even though some of those some of those are devies, then uh, you know the wa- the waiver wire is pretty pretty barren. Yep. But I like you know I like it that I way. I prefer it that way. Yeah. Yeah, it forces Absolutely. you to forces you to focus on your team year round. You can't you can't get saved in any specific week by the waiver wire. Right. Right. And I, I yeah exactly. I I think with my leagues, I feel like it forces you to trade if you want to get better. Yeah. And I I find trading significantly more fun than waivers. So, T- taxi squads. Would you say for your leagues you recommend eight or generally five in your average league? Or I I always do five. I've never even considered eight. That's that does seem like a lot. But if you think about it with developmental squads. Most rookie drafts are four or five rounds, and most Debbie drafts are two or three rounds, so eight makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think starting a new league and a new league that is pushing the limits or something that that not very many people do, which, you know, Scott, you, you and I both try to, when we are starting new leagues, it's not your run-of-the-mill league. We, right. we do try <laughs> to include some unique features either something that we've come up with or something that we've borrowed from others, as you mentioned earlier. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary when you're doing that because you're putting these rules together. You're taking all these different pieces from other leagues and and combining them. And you don't really know how it's going to work out. I know we've mentioned it on here before. I kind of move fast when I get an idea. If I come up with a league idea, I'm, I'm probably looking for owners the next day and drafting the next week <laughs> you're uh, you're kind of the opposite you want to take your time and uh, close all the loopholes i can right make sure you're covering everything but but either either method is a little it's a little intimidating you don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to work so with a lot of these things a lot of these settings i was really just throwing out numbers you know a taxi squad of 5 i don't know why not that sounds good but then a couple years into the league we found that that just wasn't enough. People were adding three new Devi players every year. They were carrying over Devi players, or they had rookies they wanted to wanted to stash on that taxi squad. So because of that, you know, we came to the came to the point where those taxi squads just weren't big enough. So eight eight made sense. Ten doubling it from five to ten seemed like too much, but adding three spots seemed like the right balance. I'd say the more spots, it kind of goes along with the waiver thing. You're not hindering trades that way. People can really focus on the the players instead of 
the roster spots. You hear so many times, is this guy, you know, if I make this trade, I got to drop this guy. So it's really is, is this worth a lot roster spot, whatnot? Uh, that doesn't come into play if you have tons and tons of roster spots because there's always guys. I have two leagues where there are free agents on several teams just because I have Calvin Johnson in one league. You're holding out hope. I am holding out hope. But, yeah, I have found five to be to be pretty solid, but it all depends on the number of active and the the number of players each team wants to bring in each year. But the more space you have, the better, in my opinion. I, li- I like deeper leagues. Your developmental players – People do people have to participate in the developmental draft, or they can trade they can trade their developmental picks away, if I remember correctly. In sync, yeah, they can trade those picks away. Everybody gets picks based on their, or I should say, they get one pick based on the order of finish each year, and really that pick is a set amount of money. So with that money, they can, of course, they can participate in the Devi auction. And they can win up to three players, or they can trade that money away, or or any combination of that. Really, I I, I like I try to make my leagues, I, I try to set it up so that everything has value, and and everything is tradable. So um, whether that's if you want to trade a full pick, meaning all of your Devi money, you can do that. If you want to trade pieces of that, then then that's an option as well. But no, you don't. You don't have to have Devi players on your on your roster. You don't have to participate if you want to trade trade that money away. And just for the listeners, because when you listen to pigs, it's going to be a little different. Uh, in in Ryan's and all other leagues, basically <laughs> in existence, the the money is segmented off, right? So the Devi money needs to be spent in the Devi draft, and the rookie money in the rookie draft. But you can you can you can you can trade Devi money for rookie money if I if I remember correctly in sync. So. Right. Nice. We, we really have three piles of money is, is what I refer <laughs> to it. Uh, we've got rookie money, we've got Devi money, and then we have what we call AP money or all-purpose money. So the all-purpose money covers your blind bid waivers throughout the year. It covers uh, if you want to tag players. So it, it costs you AP money if you want to use a franchise tag or a transition tag. And then you're also using that AP money to bid on players in those free agency auctions. So it has it has a lot of value as the year goes as the years go along. For your contracts, do you do you have a you have a set amount of contract years each team gets? Is that based on a formula on how many players they have? Like you have a 30 man roster, is is it 60 years or uh, just for something somebody listening at home, if they're setting up their first ever contract league, uh, what what's your recommendation there? Uh, you know, it's it's no secret formula for me at least. That's another one of those things I stole from another league. I think I mentioned the label leagues that Jarrett Behar runs. Mm-hmm. In in his leagues, he had set up limits of 25, 25 man active roster with fifty two years. I knew I wanted rosters that were a little bit more than that. So we we initially started with 27 man rosters and 60 years. And even when we upped to 30, 30 man active rosters, we kept that 60 years. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are, but it's, you know, honestly, it's no, it's no secret formula. I just took what Jarrett had had done and upped it a little bit on both the contracts and the active roster size. Okay. Gotcha. When, when I do startups and rookie drafts and stuff, I try to equate player towards amount of money. And I was wondering if that's, you know, the same thing when you're saying them. And it sounds like Jarrett's is a little over two, uh, two years per player, you know, on average. Right. And, uh, sounds like yours was a little over two when you did 27 and exactly two now. So somewhere in that ballpark is probably the, uh, arguably one of the better ways to do it. If, if two of the better commissions out there do it that way, that's probably, uh, maybe, maybe get Dan Mailer on here to talk about that. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a lot of opinions on something like that. For sure. Yeah, he's he's the man with when it comes to salary cap and contract leagues. Right, definitely. Okay, so your playoffs in, in sync. Your schedule's 11 weeks, which means your playoffs must be, must be two-weekers or not? Um, some of them are. So, okay. um, yeah, we start with 
so six teams make the playoffs from each conference. That That's the other thing that I actually didn't mention. Uh, kitchen sink leagues are 24-team leagues, two 12-team conferences. So we start with two teams oh, getting – I have to ask you a fun question here right before the onset. Do you, do you allow trading between the conferences? Uh, we do not, no. Okay. So okay. it's basically two separate leagues, uh, and then the only – I guess the only connection is the two league champions are are facing off for the overall league title at the end. And that, that is nice in segmented. I can see the merits to both. I, if you were to start over, would you allow that or keep it the same? I think I would still keep it the same. We're yeah. we're actually starting Kitchen Sink Five here pretty soon. Kitchen Cinco, as as we've called it, and we're going to do that a little bit different. Uh, a little bit differently. It's going to be instead of two teams, two conferences of 12, it's going to be four conferences of 12 that shift around every, every off season. So you might be in one conference of 12 this year and next year you're going to be moving around and facing different competition, but you'll take your team with you. So the first year, every, all four conferences will have one copy of each player, but then starting the next year, one conference might have two copies of Andrew Luck. Another conference might have none. So things are going to get mixed up, but but we're still going to keep those those lines drawn between between the conferences oh, as far as trading goes. Be, that's going to be really interesting. That's if, another. If you're, in, if you're in a league, if say you're in a league and you love CJ Procise, but it just so happens next year you're in a league with no in a conference with no CJ Procises, you can't even deal for him in the dynasty sense. Yeah, exactly. That's there's, going to be interesting. That's there's going to be a lot of that, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and, and that's you know that's one of those things that, like I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm not sure yeah. how it's going to work out from a, a league point of view, or you know, is that going to bother people that they can't go out and trade for ProSize if there's two copies in the other conference? Um, it is. I, it is nerve wracking waiting to find out if something like that is is a fun aspect of a league. A, just a, a quirk of the league or a flaw of the league. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and then the other kind of on the back end for for me as a commissioner, I'm just wondering, you know, how much work is this going to be? Is it just adding a, a, the one wrinkle of rearranging the conferences, reassigning mm -hmm. the conferences, or is there more that maybe I haven't even thought of yet? So, you know, this time next year, I'll have more answers on, on that. But uh, going, going back to the playoff system, when we were starting, or when I was starting this Kitchen Sink 1, the first one five years ago, the guys over at Rotoviz were also starting their own staff dynasty league. And I think they had, they had been writing some articles about it. And one of the articles was about this unique playoff system that they had come up with. So I basically stole that and um, and amended some things to make it work for for our league. But we start with uh, the the two top seeds get a bye. So the playoffs start in week twelve, which is obviously super early. Um, some teams, some some seasons, there's still players on teams on bye and couldn't be used in the first round of the playoffs. But anyway, so the the bottom four three through six seeds basically face off. It's not a, it's not a tournament. We just take the top two scores from that, from that week 12 of those four teams, they move on. And then it starts the two week setup where it's you're combining scores in, in those two week segments to find the, the champion. I've only played in that once. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I know people that swear by it. So uh, I guess uh, I guess to each their own. I think like everything, it probably has some pros and cons. That is one thing. If we're just talking strictly from a commish point of view, it is probably not worth the treble. There's a lot of there's a lot of work on the Google Doc uh, to to keep up with that. My fantasy league does does not as far as I've found at least does not um, allow for that. They're not, not very flexible with that. So there's a lot of adjusting of the brackets. Sometimes it looks like the loser is actually advancing because 
they're not factoring in that two-week score, only looking at a one-week score. So it, it gets a little tricky for sure. Yeah, MFL's playoff setup could use a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's fine for normal leagues, I think. I, I You can do what you need to for most normal leagues. But uh, guys like us that set up double-week playoffs or playoffs where it's combined, you know, and then top top half advance every week or things like that yeah it's uh it i i don't really know that any site is set up for that for what for for what we kind of want to do no i don't think so um maybe it's just too difficult to code yeah i do i mean i think mfl has pretty much everything that that we would want in general there's a you know there's a few loopholes that that we come up with that it's not fair to expect to expect them <laughs> the to point zero 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 one percent of leagues. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not yeah. fair to expect them to keep up with with our crazy ideas and and the crazy ideas that some of some of the other commissions out there have. So, yeah, we just have to to be flexible with those things and to, until some of our ideas become so popular they have to answer for them. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I think that that's happening with uh, with hope, SFB a little bit, so. right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's I'm not going to bug them about that. I <laughs> I think it's so cool that they're going to put my scoring up there anyway. I do want to ask you about the toilet bowl before maybe we uh, pop on to another league. How how do you set up your toilet bowl? Sure, do you so call it the toilet bowl? We do call it the toilet bowl. Okay. Yeah, and this is something. Um, that I've used since I started commissioning. So this started with the hyperactive leagues uh, years and years ago. Uh, the the non-playoff teams do uh, the tournament for the, you know, the toilet bowl tournament. And I, I guess the one wrinkle or the one thing that's maybe a little different than other leagues is the winner earns an extra first round pick. So we call that a compensatory pick. It's, it's the one thirteen. In my hyperactive leagues, it's literally the 1.13 pick. Uh, all, all rounds, of course, have 12 picks except for the first round. In the um, kitchen sink leagues, it's just an extra piece of money. It's actually $80, which I think would slot it around like the 2.05 pick, something like that, mm. 2.05, 2.06. Uh, we still call it the 1.13, but it's, <laughs> it's basically an additional piece of, of rookie money. I, I noticed in the bylaws that uh, the toilet bowl teams are weighted. Do you still do that, or is that an old rule? No, no, we do that. So the the lowest, or I guess the top seed in the toilet bowl, which is actually the last place team, uh, does get spotted some points. So we just use 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, all the way down. The, the sixth seed, the team that almost made the playoffs, gets zero points. And is uh, that just for the first round? No, that's for every round. Oh, okay. Yeah, that carries forward every round. And honestly, I haven't seen that make that much of a difference. I um, wouldn't think so. Yeah, ten, you know, either ten either, points at most doesn't right. Either games lot. are not that close, or um, I mean, sometimes the toilet bowl teams. This this doesn't happen in in kitchen sink, but I've seen it happen in hyperactive. The toilet bowl teams will not even submit a lineup. Um whether they just forget or I don't know. I, I don't know who wouldn't value an extra first round pick, but you know, maybe they feel like their, their season is over since they didn't make the playoffs. Mm. So you'll see a lot of, not a lot, but you'll see an occasional score of six points or two points. They'll get those spotted points and then none other because they didn't submit a lineup. I mean, a big reason I wanted to ask you about the toilet bowl is, we actually had a couple of tweets and emails about toilet bowl setups over the last couple of months. Your one through six seed is your is your first seed the best team or the worst team? The number one seed is the worst team. Okay, how do you feel about and I can't I I think we got like several of these. How do you feel about giving the absolute worst team the worst two teams? Uh, the buys versus the best two teams, the buys. Well, I mean, I think that additional first if round. If there is buys. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we use buys. Um, so the the one and two seed get the buys, which those are the teams that the worst. are. Uh, yeah, they're the worst. They're at the bottom of the standings. Right. So, I mean, what, what I feel like is the role of the toilet bowl is to help those teams out. 
Uh, if they can get an extra first-round pick, if they're the worst team in the league and they get an extra first-round pick, great. You know, maybe that helps them improve. Um, the other thing that I want to see and, and want to try to do is I don't think that, I don't think our toilet bowl system totally eliminates tanking necessarily on its own, but if you know you have a chance at an extra first-round pick, you might not go crazy trading away all of your assets. You might hang on to those or, or at least – be more cognizant of, of that with the hopes of getting an extra first rounder. Right. Since we're talking playoffs right now, I want to drop into an email we got because I read this and I thought to myself, this is really interesting for a league. And this guy has been doing it for 10 plus years. His name is Brandon. He runs what he calls a marathon league. What it does is the playoffs are in the NFL fantasy playoffs. The fantasy league regular season runs the whole regular season and the fantasy playoffs coincide with the NFL playoffs. And what he says it does is increases trading for players on good teams, especially by contenders at the end. And I kind of wanted to hear if you had any thoughts on that. I, I don't think it's good or bad. I, don't, I think it's just an interesting league setup but man that would really create some trades i can i can imagine a team not even having super bowl players i I definitely don't think it's a league where the best team in the regular season is going to win the league yeah i've I've never played in in that type of league first of all so i don't want to you know i don't want to pass too much judgment Mm -mm. It, it seems like a league i probably would not enjoy but i do know chris wessling uh, formerly of Roto World, now of NFL.com, and, and does their podcast work and a lot of writing over there. Obviously, very well-respected guy in um, not only in fantasy football and dynasty football, but football in general. He swears by these types of leagues. These are the only types of leagues he will play in. And what did you what did you say they were called? What well, did the he, guy call them? He calls it marathon leagues. He okay. He played with his dad for like 20 years and then he started doing them on his own like for the last 10 years. So they, they've obviously been around if Wesleyan's been doing them and this guy's been doing them. Uh, I, I really didn't know they existed until I read this email. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, so Wesleyan, I've actually talked to him a few times about joining some of my leagues, Hyperactive and, and some of the others. And he's at least seemed like he had a little bit of interest in and then when he sees some of the rules or he asks about the format, he's he's politely declined because it doesn't have that rule. It doesn't play through the NFL playoffs. And so, yeah, he, he swears by that. It would obviously change the value of, of those players that are on championship caliber teams. Especially like role players. Like, uh, le- yeah, like the lesser players, the – the third wide receivers on like the Patriots, like the fourth wide receiver in the back of like a James white would have a ton more value in a league like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. if I'm not sure if I would like that kind of league where random players have kind of manufactured value, if that yeah. makes sense. And um, I kind of have a problem with that. You know, there, there's such a huge, there's 18 teams that don't make the playoffs in the NFL. Or 20, sorry, <laughs> 18. I don't know where I got that number. And 20 <laughs> teams don't make the playoffs in the NFL. That's a lot of fantasy players. Yeah, it's it's a it would be a challenging format for sure. And, you know, it sounds like Brandon enjoys that. Chris obviously enjoys that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like every fantasy league, every format, every idea somebody could come up with, it's right for somebody. Exactly. There's a million people out there who would hate kitchen sink, who would hate capitalist pigs. Yep. Um, and there's, there's plenty of people who would love it too. And that's, you know, that's one of the great things about fantasy football and dynasty football. Yep. I, it's just another league thought, thought I'd bring up, let people know exists. If you, if you, if that's the kind of thing you're into or want to try, it's out there. So
let's uh should we move on to pigs or is there anything else about kitchen sink that i've forgotten to bring up no i would i would love to hear and i'm actually not sure if i've heard this scott as much as as much as we've talked about it where did the where did the idea really come up where did it come from for capitalist pigs? <laughs> uh, I think I think the main thing it, from me was just selfishness in my leagues of having. I have a couple dynasties where I have very good teams, and I always I never really needed to spend my free agency money or my you know my any of my money. So I wanted to be able to save that money, and and then the 2016 or yeah the 2016 rookie class came along. And I didn't really want to spend in it. I personally would have wanted to sp save money for the 2017 class. So I decided that I wanted to create a league in which you didn't have to participate in a rookie draft if you didn't want to. You could save that money. And I, <laughs> while I was thinking about this, you actually you had a dynasty blueprint with you and Matt Williamson. And Matt Williamson said something about having to spend those rookie picks and he didn't like that, so he was trying to trade them all for 2017 picks at the time. And I was thinking to myself, I don't want to have to trade them. I want to be able to just sit there and hold them, you know? I think that's how it came along. I just wanted to be able to save money for other things, spend money where I wanted. Everything else just, <laughs> I hadn't created a league in a long time, so a lot of the other stuff just, I started throwing it in there. So... If you will take, I guess, take a step back for our listeners who are maybe not as familiar with capitalist pigs. Uh, are you saying that you have one? Uh, go one back to the piles pile. of money. You yep. have one big pile of money yep. to use for rookie. I think capitalist pigs is Devi as well. Yep. Yeah, we use we use that big one pile of money for everything, and you can save it. For, if you don't want any rookies, you can just save it and use it in the Debbie draft. Or if you don't want any Debbies, you can save it. You can just buy players straight up from other teams. Yeah, it's one one bankroll. They call it they call them pigs bucks or CP bucks. I I didn't coin that. They just started calling them that. And that did that start with with the startup draft? Yeah, it, every team got a thousand bucks or something. And how did that work? Okay, so every team gets a thousand dollars for the startup draft. And then, you know, use what you do, uh, save what you don't, save what you want to. If you have a hundred bucks left, you bring that hundred bucks right into the rookie draft. You got 200 for the rookie draft in year one. You got 50 for the Debbie draft in year one. And all of those I based on a $50 per player average. Cause you start out with 20 players and five taxi. So, uh, you multiply that out. It's, you know, 1250. So that's where those numbers came from. And then every year you get paydays. January 1st, you get a payday. You get a lump sum, a Debbie payday on February 15th. April 15th, you get a rookie payday, your four rounds worth of rookie deaths. You basically get paydays throughout the year. That January 1st payday, is, does everybody get the same? Or if not, what's that based on? Okay, so almost everything is based on points four in our league. But I realized that there are other things that measure quality of a team. The January 1st, you get a lump sum of money that is based on all play record and potential points. The way it's constructed, Pigs 1 is two divisions of 14 teams, and there are two player copies, and you can trade with anyone, which I think, I don't know that I'm ever going to create leagues where you can't uh, have multiple copies and trade with anyone anymore. If I want Jai and someone is holding on to Jai with Dear Life, I want to be able to go to the other person and make that trade. So you've got 28 total teams in Pigs 1. Is, yep. is that kind of overwhelming at some point, though? Like, when I'm looking at, at my leagues, and, you know, most of them are 12 teams, and I'm trying to look for trades, maybe I need some help at tight end. So I'm looking at the other 11 teams to see if there's a fit, and usually, hopefully, there is. But if I have to look at 27 other teams, is that does that get overwhelming at some point? Or do you see that only as, as a pro? That is, I don't see it as overwhelming. And maybe it's because I'm not the type of guy that goes around looking for other teams for a fit for my trade. I, I think in this league, people, people actively shop players for cash 
so often because pigs bucks uh, are so valuable in this league that either people are contending and trying to buy players saying, I need a wide receiver one. I'm, I, I got this money up that it's trades just happen so, so easily in this league. You generally just basically, I think it goes with the two copy thing too. If you want a player, you go look for that player. You don't really necessarily need to find a team with a fit because there's many, many teams that will fit your trade. Need. So it just opens up those possibilities for you. Yeah, there's, I mean, we've had days in the last couple of weeks that we've had like six trades. The fact that cash is such a fluid asset in this, any trade that you want to try to make, like if it's a two for one deal, you just start throwing the amount of cash that you think it's to, to make it. To balance even. it out, yeah. And then the trade happens because that, that cash is so valuable. So yeah. there are there a lot more trades that are player for, for cash rather than Absolutely. player for player? And it's not even close, honestly. Yeah. It's contenders buying players and teams that are looking to rebuild selling players. So many trades involve cash. I'd say the majority of trades involve cash. I've heard you talk about this before, so, but because I don't play in that league and, and because my leagues are a little different, I, I guess I don't quite understand. I, I know you've heard – I've heard you say the value of the dollar has changed since <laughs> yep. – since the startup. Talk about that a little bit. We didn't really expect, we sh probably should have, is that when you enter Ryan's rookie draft in, in Kitchen Sink, there is a set amount of money that is for that rookie draft. Let's say it's $3,000. So there, are, there is $3,000 in that league to buy whatever amount of players. In Capitalist Pigs, at a certain point in the year, Everybody, the entire league can have a total of $4,000, $5,000 total for 28 teams. And at another point in the year, the entire league could have $12,000. So like well over double the amount of money and you're going after the same amount of players. So Mike Evans at one point, you know, when there's very little money out there in the league could be worth 180 bucks. But he sold for 600 a few weeks ago because the league was so flush with money at that point. So the, the price of players is constantly shifting. And there's a lot of strategy involved there on, I think sellers, when the, the, when the, when the market is so flush with cash uh, after people get their paydays, I think, I think sellers, people who want to sell their players really should be selling then and, uh, and buying when it's, it's cheapest. It, it seems like a stock market at that point in that way. Yeah, it really does. And it seems like uh, from an outsider perspective, if you were someone that maybe was super conservative during that startup auction and you, you saved all your money, that probably wasn't the best strategy. Nope. <laughs> no, no. There are a couple people that did that and we, we learned it definitely was not that the best strategy. I think, I think I mostly learned in those startups, when the value is approximately $50 per player, spend every dang penny. There's no point in saving during those. I understand saving in the other auctions, but there's no point in saving in the startup auction. Well, no matter how good, and this, you know, this is a lesson learned for any auction league or, or really any league in general, even if you're drafting rather than auctioning, you're never getting a better player pool than the startup. Right. No matter how good the rookies are, no matter how good the Devi class is, the, the startup draft, startup auction is always going to be your best collection of, of overall talent. And, you know, punting is one thing, and, and that can be a good strategy if, if you're doing it right. But you still got to come out of there with some talent. Well, first off, and we've talked about this, progressive struggle has gotten so much, so much harder with more people doing it. But if you're in a 12-team league or a 10-team league, hey, that's – I mean, that's more – definitely a 12-team league. That's more likely to, to be a nice path. When you're in a 28-team league, do you really want to be 26th place and try to claw your way all the way to one? I mean, it, it just feels so much harder to, to try to struggle and, and gain those assets and, and pull yourself from that far back. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. 
I've heard a lot about people making bets in the pigs leagues. What <laughs> what is that all about? I'm I'm guessing that goes back to the value of those pigs bucks, pigs yeah. dollars. Yeah, and I think I meant it as more of a side thing in the league. It's just really for fun, but it also can shift the league a little bit. I mean, you you want you want those pigs bucks. They are valuable. So we have people who bet on you bet on basketball, you bet on baseball, you bet on the Oscars. You can bet on um, people have survival pools and uh, Super Bowl squares pools, March Madness pools, where everybody pays a, a couple pigs bucks and you can win twenty pigs bucks or whatever. So it's just it's just a way to have little contests and games and have fun within the league. So as commissioner, are you? I guess are you kind of in charge of all those side bets or do you have to be in on that at all? No, no. Luckily I'm uh, I'm kind of okay at coding. So <laughs> I created a uh, I created a system on the site where teams can uh, post their bets po- and then submit who won the bet and stuff and it it's all done pretty automatically as far as transferring money and things like that. Yeah, the transferring of the transferring of the actual money, you know, I have we have not had a problem in pigs one through a year and a half here. Pigs two, they've done a bunch of betting and not even one problem. Basically, one team, the winner has to propose a trade with the loser for blind bidding dollars. Okay, and gotcha. the loser has to accept, and and that's all it takes. And I we have not had one problem yet. So the yeah the pigs bucks are basically in your blind bidding account except for during auctions. Yeah, that's what that's what that was making me think about. With kitchen sink, we have again those three different pools of money. So that's a, a, another one of those things that my fantasy league can't really keep up with. Um, you know, so if they just would combine blind bidding and auction dollars, or the ability to use auction dollars for blind bidding, I think we'd be set. Yeah, maybe, but but we still have we have those five different auctions, and those five different auctions come from three different pools of money. Mm-hmm. So That's we true. we have to track that on Google on a Google Doc, Doc and there's a lot of um, adjusting of balances and deleting auctions and changing things, and and then when people make trades, it's it's even more adjustment. Basically, we don't, we don't have to make any adjustments because everything is in blind bidding. The only one that makes an adjustment is me right at the start of each auction. What are a couple of other things you love about the pigs leagues that are maybe different than others, but well, may, maybe things that other leagues could incorporate as well. There are things that I think that, uh, well, first off, also with the bankroll, we have, uh, you can put your money in a trust <laughs> and uh, not touch it for a year and gain extra money, which is, which I find kind of interesting but um i think i think one thing is that that i really like is in every league is progressive pots and i don't think i'll ever start another league without a progressive pot uh it, <laughs> they're, they're just they're just so much fun in my leagues i in this league i have the rivalry uh three peter you have to win three rivalries you get a pot uh win the full trophy case of seven seven uh, rivalry trophies. We have seven different ones. You get a pot, and those those are like fifty bucks a year, a hundred bucks a year. By the time they're one, they're going to be like a five hundred, seven hundred dollar pot. Wow! Um, and my le- my leagues don't die either. I have three leagues over ten years. When you say trophies, are these graphics they're, they're, that you're? Yeah, they're just they're just digital trophies. Okay. Yeah. So they would do they go on the team page or how how do you keep up? I with those? I have you, you know how my fantasy league has that secondary navigation bar. I use that. I have one for bylaws, one for bets, one for rivalries. You know, a quick look at the money guide, some contact info. I have I have one of those tabs showing all the trophies and the trophy holders at the okay. time. And there are seven different trophies. Like in pigs one, it's like. You know, hoof trophy, bacon trophy, pigtail trophies, stuff like that. That's funny, but but those progressive pots and, and the rivalries, those are things that any league could could implement. Really, yeah, really. And the rivalries are something I would put in any league. Our rivalries, 
you basically each team puts up 10 bucks of pigs bucks and the winner collects from the loser which is pretty fun but our uh, all our drafts <laughs> this is this is not like sync your your auctions are proxy ebay style which, right which are really really nice ours are ours are non-proxy specifically and it says right in the rules specifically to annoy people <laughs> <laughs> and create those rivalries so so when people get bid with one minute two minutes three minutes left on the clock <laughs> they take notes and make rivals of that which is pretty funny it, is it a is it a 24 hour clock no matter 12 hours or something no matter it's, what it's six no it's it's 16 hours and it resets each time the bidder changes okay so when if there's if you ryan have a player for 16 15 hours and 58 minutes i can bid you up with one minute left on the clock I, and i know the exact price i know that my one dollar bid is going to reset the clock whereas a non-proxy or a proxy you know you you might bid and bid and not get it. Wow. Yeah, it's it it really causes a lot of animosity at times. But uh, and do you feel like fun. that's a good thing or? Yeah, I do. I I really do because a year later, pigs won. People absolutely hated each other. <laughs> there there are teams that just hated each other. A year later, that's that's not there anymore. They they look back on it with with some some anger at times <laughs> but but it, it was fun it was definitely fun wow um, i don't know some people don't let that go scott no <laughs> well then don't don't join a pigs league <laughs> because i'm gonna i'm gonna test you a little and but like you we we do have five off-season auctions we have you know the rookie auction the debbie auction we don't have contracts so we don't have those we have what we call free agent auctions and they're really I don't know i don't really know a good name for them but what they are is we turn off all the waivers let's say i have jonathan stewart or no I, i'm gonna for a shout out to all my pigs friends let's say i have kenny Britt. kenny Britt, yes <laughs> let's say i have kenny Britt and i want to sell him which i would not do <laughs> maybe now that he signed with the browns if i want to sell him the free agent auction i drop him and i put him up at whatever price i want to fetch for him whatever reserve price i put on like 50 bucks and then people would get to bid on him so if i don't want a player anymore and i just want to sell him and i want everybody to just bid on him i put him up for auction uh we do that three times in the off season i wow i did not that's that's one role one one thing you use that i had no idea about i i try to keep up with the the pigs leagues just to steal ideas like this, and I hadn't heard that one. That's that's a good one. We might we might have to try to fit that into to the sink somehow. So I mean, it's almost a, it's almost a yard sale, right? You're yep. trying to get yep. you're trying to get rid of your your stuff that you don't want anymore. If Kenny Britt doesn't get at least fifty dollars, you you keep him, I assume. Correct, but there's a ten dollar restocking fee. That's uh. That you, you get charged ten dollars if he doesn't get any bids. That's kind of to keep people from just throwing their entire roster up for sale. Okay. Or, or to keep people from putting the reserve too high. So if the reserve is met, do you have to let him go, or do you Absolutely. have the option? Yep. 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 You put you put that player up for like basically how it works on MFL is you will drop the player, and then he'll be available as a free agent. Then you will put him up. For auction at say fifty dollars, the second someone bids fifty one, he's gone. You lost him. You and know, other you, other you can't come can, back and bid your own money on him. You can, but I mean, <laughs> it's not it's not smart business. But you yeah, that, that that would be that would be interesting. I I would like to see that happen. You drop it. You you put him up for auction, then you spend sixty bucks just to keep your own player. <laughs> oh, I really hope that happens. Please tell me when that does. That that would be really interesting if if uh, some kind of news broke while you know while the free agent auction was going on and all of a sudden you realized no I want my player back yeah I don't think it'll happen but that would be crazy so you do that kind of auction did you say twice a year uh, three times a year just oh, okay to, just kind of in between in between parts uh, January fifteenth March fifteenth and August first. So Scott, another thing I wanted to ask you about, we, we talked about the kitchen sink playoffs and there's kind of some unique pieces there. 
What about in pigs? Anything out of the ordinary? Basically, the the top six from each division make the playoffs. They all play top half advance. They all play. Then the top team advances to the final. For pigs two, at least, you win money every round. Instead of just giving first, second, and third, uh, fourth, fifth, whatever, um, big cash payouts. I mean, they do get big cash payouts. But basically, if you make the playoffs, you win 25 bucks immediately, right there. You made the playoffs, hey, you won 25 bucks. If you win, if you make it past the first round, you win 25 more bucks. You may, if you make it to the next round, you win 75 bucks. You know, like, so each round you advance, you, you make more money. So I, I find that fun to not leave the toilet bowl people out. Every team that doesn't make the playoffs gets $10 of pigs bucks. I'm not going to give them real cash, but yeah. I'm going to give them pigs bucks to, cause they're the bad teams. They, I'm going to help their teams, you know? And then each round they go to, of course, try to alleviate tanking, which is completely, I'm fine with. <laughs> if you remember now, I'm, I'm a little more okay with that now, but you get, you get extra money each round you move up in the toilet bowl. So it behooves you to actually advance in the, in the toilet bowl and gain more money. And the toilet bowl winner gets 50 extra bucks. And before we go, I have to mention once again, all my leagues, there's charity aspect pigs too. I believe I'm going to look at, I'm going to look this up real quick because I don't want to misspeak, but I know pigs one gives like 125 bucks to charity. Pigs two gives $560 to charity. Wow. That is awesome. $10 per team. It's a $55 entry and $10 per team goes to charity. And I, I highly recommend a charity component for leagues. I know you, uh, I, I know that's a, a big push for you and as well known as you are for creating these crazy leagues and the Scott fishbowl. I think that may be one thing you're, you're most well known for, which is obviously speaks very highly of you. So you're, you're helping out and definitely making a difference. We appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> you mentioned Pigs 1 was two conferences of 14 teams. Yep. Is Pigs 2 the same setup? No, that's actually four conferences of 14 teams. So it's 56 teams, which the, the current startup going on is a little crazy because of it. There are a lot of players on the board. I kind of wanted to ask you this because I, I truly don't know how you do it. How do you handle the nominations for, for your leagues? Um, we, everybody gets to nominate, um, every day and you just nominate one player a day at the beginning. Um, gets to or, or forced to just curious. Forced to. Yeah. You have okay. to nominate, Good. have to nominate. Um, yeah, no, no sitting back and <laughs> waiting for things to develop. You at least have to nominate. It's really and, unfair to, to others too. Because if there's not a certain amount of players on the board, it, it kind of forces the prices of the of a of a shallow board. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then at some point, usually about a weekend, we'll go to two players per team, uh, just to to get things moving a little bit. But that's that's how we do things. So it's a little slow going in the beginning. You know, there's twelve players out or usually between 15 and 20 out on that after a couple days, but it, yeah, it certainly picks up after three or four days. I always have trouble ending auctions because it gets to the point where you can no longer force nominations because people are done. They're either out of money or out of roster spots. So it's, it gets to a point where you can no longer force nominations. And then there's another point after that, that it hits that, you basically say, okay, free for all, just just nominate who you want. Do you just kind of, like for commissioners listening, I'm sure they're like, they might get nervous in those situations. Do you just do that by feel? Or do you have a specific day or amount of players on the board? Because I'll be, I'll be flat out honest, I do it almost completely by feel. Yeah, no, I do too. Um, there's, I don't think there's any set, uh, set rule. And, and auctions are so different. Anyway, you know, uh, people have asked me for like average auction values of players, even just when they're participating in, in auctions. And every auction is so different from from the other that I don't think things like that really have value. An auction is almost totally by feel, whether you're yep. an owner or whether you're, um, you know, a, a commish running it. So, yeah, once um, 
we keep a spreadsheet on Google Doc, uh, who is nominated every day. Once you're either out of money or out of roster spots, then your, your spaces are blacked out. You're essentially out of the auction. And then once that's down to, uh, you know, to a handful of teams, then yeah, it just becomes free for all. Yeah. That's the same way I run it. I think, I think we've hit on just about, just about everything. I hope that, uh, I hope that what we've talked about, unless you had anything else, Ryan. No, I think that's it. I think we, like you said, we've covered pretty much everything. I think we got a lot of things that could help you if you're trying to design a link or maybe possibly something you want to incorporate next year or have your, have your league vote on to bring in, or maybe just hear how we do certain things might help you reform how you do certain things. Make sure to follow Ryan on Twitter at RyanMC23. I'm at ScottFish24 on Twitter. Make sure to listen to the other Dynasty League Football podcasts. We got the DLF podcast. We have the Metrics podcast. We have we have the new Read and React IDP podcast. I think it's got two episodes out now. And I think that I think that's all the DLF podcast. So please listen to those. And I think we're done here. Thanks for listening and see you next time.